You're listening to Pulse Radio. It's the playoff time. Hey, it's the playoff time, and I'm counting the play in with the playoffs. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Pulse Radio, in the building for another special edition of Pulse Radio. On today, we're talking playoffs because, like I said, the play in is the playoffs. Stop playing with me. It is the wild card. I broke that down. The play in is now the NBA's wild card round, and we had nothing but action on tonight. And I'm playing Blow the Whistle because, listen, the Timberwolves versus the Clippers was nothing but blown whistles, all right? The referees made this game so long, I thought I was watching the Final Four again because them college games were super long because it was so many fouls on both teams. Jesus Christ. That next Cavaliers game was so quick. But, man, y'all prolonged that Clippers-Timberwolves game, man. I guess y'all really want to see Pat Bell going against his old team. But what's going on, everybody? I am live right after both of the play-in games. Pretty good first night. Now, tomorrow night is going to be real crazy because you're going to have Trey Young versus LaMelo Ball with the Hornets versus the Hawks win or go home. Same thing with the Pelicans and the Spurs. So tomorrow night is going to be where it really gets consequential. But, you know, shout out to the Nets. First and foremost, the Nets did win their play-in game versus the Cavaliers, and they'll be going on to play the number two seed Celtics on Saturday. Shout out to them. Amazing. Playoff start Saturday, and they're playing the Celtics. And in the media, it's been such a hysteria around the Nets being the seventh seed, and you keep hearing this talking point of, oh, these teams should be scared of the Nets because you don't know what KD and Kyrie Irving are going to do. And, oh, my gosh, like, y'all should be so scared. But what I saw tonight was not scary at all. It was a typical game. Kyrie went for 34. Kevin Durant went for 25. And, by the way, shout out to Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant was a playmaker tonight. Kevin Durant had 25 points 11 assists. So he was setting up his guys to succeed. Very efficient game, 9 of 16, shooting 56.3% from the field. Kyrie led the team with 34 points, and he was like through three quarters, he didn't miss a shot. But that fourth quarter came, and he started to miss. He was, he was making, he had some, some good shots, he was doing some good stuff, but he started to miss that fourth quarter, and the Cavaliers started to come back. Now, the Cavaliers had some fight in their heart. Because Darius Garland did not go out. He was not about to get blown out. Darius Garland had 34 points. And shout out to playoff Rondo, man. Too, it's too bad we're not going to see playoff Rondo because the Cavaliers are definitely losing to the Hawks on, on Friday because the Hawks are going to beat the Hornets on tomorrow. But Rondo came in, and yeah, his box score numbers weren't that amazing. If you look at his box score numbers, he had seven points. He had nine assists. He had nine assists, but... It didn't really pop off the screen, like how Darius Garland was scoring his points. But Rondo was a lot of the reason why they were making some good defensive plays in the second half and also why they were making a run, and they got real close to taking the lead. 
The funny thing about this game is that the Nets had the lead throughout the whole entire game. And you felt as if the Nets were going to bust it open and they were going to just win the game just outright and go crazy. But they didn't. The Cavaliers stuck around. The game started with a 40 to 20 quarter by the Nets. The Nets held the Cavaliers to 20 and Kyrie Irving could not miss a shot. Kevin Durant was shooting over two or three people, but the rest of the team wasn't really there. If you look at Seth Curry, Seth Curry is clearly injured. He had zero points. He had zero points. He didn't make a three-pointer this game. He didn't even make it. And I want to get this right. I want to make sure I'm looking at it right. He didn't even make it to the free throw line. He didn't even make it. He wasn't driving to the basket. He wasn't shoot. He wasn't shooting all that well. He had only four attempts, missed all of them. And once again, the lack of a bench and the lack of depth that the Nets have has bitten them once again. The game started off 40 to 20. And it looked like the Nets were going to just blow them out. And we all were saying on Twitter, man, listen, tell me who wins. Tell me how many points Katie had. We're out of here. But the second quarter, J.B. Bickerstaff made an adjustment. He puts Rondo in. Rondo's a coach on the floor. And they started to make a run. And they got it within 17 points. Timeout is called. The Nets score some more baskets. But then they get it within 13. And throughout the whole entire game, the Cavaliers were within 13 to 17 points where it was a double-digit lead, but it never got out of reach. Then in the fourth quarter, they made a crazy run that scared the Celtics and should show everyone why the Celtics shouldn't be scared. Because here was the problem with the Cavaliers. Darius Garland was balling. He had 34 points. He did his thing. And you had Kevin Love. He was playing a little bit. I wouldn't say Minnesota Kevin Love. He was playing like the Kevin Love when LeBron was there. LeBron and Kyrie were there. Laurie Marketing was making some very frustrating decisions, only shooting 35% from the floor. But he scored 13 points. I thought that Karis LeVert was going to be the X factor because what Cleveland needs is a playmaking guard or forward that can put the ball in the basket alongside Garland. And it seems like for any team, that's what's needed. That's what it seems like. And I don't know if you listen to me talk about the Hawks and some of these other teams. I think that that's what a lot of these teams need. You need a supplemental star next to your leading scorer because all the Cavaliers needed was for Levert to have like a 20, 25-point game alongside Garland, and they win this game, and now the Nets are waiting to see who they play on Friday because the problem is that the Nets didn't dominate this game. Like, look at the box score. It, like if you, if you look at the box score – they won the first quarter 40 to 20, start off the game hot. Then the Cavaliers won the next three quarters, and it was not a blowout. Cleveland won the second quarter 23 to 17. Cleveland won the third quarter 30 to 28. And then they won the fourth quarter 35 to 30. If the Cavaliers were able to whittle Brooklyn down to around, I would say, like 30, 32 points in that first quarter, and they scored some more and made it, you know, within the margin of five or six points, the Cavaliers probably win this game. The strategy for the Nets cannot be Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have to go crazy. That cannot be. That can't be the strategy. So when the media brainwashes people, because people keep saying the same media talking point of, oh, these teams should be so scared of the Nets. Oh, the Celtics should be shivering at the Nets. I don't see it. Why should I be scared of the Nets when I know for a fact 
that Kyrie and Kevin Durant are human. Kevin Durant showed he was human in game seven against the Bucks. They keep talking about, oh, his toe was on the line. His toe was on the line. He could have sent him home in regulation. But what happened when he went to overtime? He got tired. And you saw it again against the Bucks a week or so ago before the season ended. He got tired again, got winded. They lost that game. They have no help. Do you realize that it was a point in time and I was loud tweeting the game. This is sort of like my notes. I, I use I use these tweets as my notes at this point. Um, so Kevin Durant and Kyrie through the third quarter, they had 46 points together. The rest of the team combined together had 41 points. And then I tweeted, and this is around the start of the fourth quarter before Claxton and Bruce Brown started, you know, contributing and, and helping out KD and Kyrie. The bench only had 13 points through three quarters. No one on the bench had over double figures. Like Drummond had a great game and Drummond really helped them out. Drummond gave him some assistance. Seth Curry was non-existent. Seth Curry essentially was playing just like Joe Harris did in, in that Milwaukee game. And the whole, that whole entire second half of the Milwaukee series, it's like Joe Harris forgot how to shoot. And I know that Seth Curry is injured and them winning this game by the time Saturday or Sunday they play the Celtics, they're going to be well-rested. And I think that this is great for Seth Curry. But if Seth Curry it, it isn't scoring, and you're playing the Celtics in the best four out of seven series, where Ime Udoka is trying to make his case that he's the coach of the year, and you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that want to make noise this playoffs, and then y'all played in the first round last year, and y'all mopped the floor? <laughs> with the Celtics and it's flip-flop because the Nets were the number two seed and the Celtics were the number seven seed if I'm not mistaken so now the Celtics got some get, get back to do and I know Robert Williams is out but Jason Tatum put up like what 56 points on them the last time they played a few Sundays ago and then now Jalen Brown's back because remember Jalen Brown didn't play that last series last year because he was injured come on I, I just really wish this talking point would cease because I think everyone should have seen on today when when the Nets, I think, choked away like a double-digit 20-point lead like six or seven times, and they didn't win the last three quarters at all. That should tell you what this Nets team is. See, what we're realizing in the NBA is that this notion of let's get two or three good guys and fill them around with minimum shooters, that's not going to work. You have to actually create a team around these players. And that's where the Nets have messed up. You got to create a team, man. KD and Kyrie can't do them by themselves. They're amazing players. KD's a top 75 player. Kyrie arguably is a top 75 player and a future Hall of Famer, same as KD. But Drummond is, is not going to get you the point total that he did today. He's not going to get you that every game. Like, Andre Drummond was the third best player. He had 16 points, eight rebounds. I, you can't reasonably expect for Drummond to be your third best player. Bruce Brown is in the starting lineup because Ben Simmons is not playing. Bit Like, man, Bruce Brown gave you 18 points. 18 points. He, get, he gave you eight assists, nine rebounds. That's great. On And he was, he was eight, eight of 19. Actually, pretty great shooting considering. And then him and Claxton closed out the game. But other play, the other players on the team have to step up. Patty Mills had only six points, hit two three-pointers. Nick Claxton had 13. That's great. But Gordon Rogers, where were you? 
Kessler Edwards. We didn't sign <laughs> James Johnson back. We released him so we could sign you full-time. Where were you, brother? Like this whole team, and then you don't play LaMarcus Aldridge. You don't play great Blake Griffin. You don't play Cam Thomas. And I'm surprised they didn't play Cam. I was surprised. I was, I'm surprised that they played Kessler instead of Cam. Now, granted, Kessler's taller guy, but Cam gets your buckets. And I think at points that what you what you really needed was, was Cam to come in and give you buckets when KD and Kyrie were sitting down. Because Cam Thomas is just a pure scorer. And that's why the Cavaliers were able to get back in. But the Cavaliers' problem was that there were no other scorers that could keep up with Garland and rally them back. They got really close. But then KD got the ball and just started being automatic. Easy Money Sniper. That's his Twitter name. Easy Money Sniper. He just he just started getting those easy buckets, and the game was over. Rondo was great distributing, but he can't score for you. Kevin Love is old. He, he can't do what he used to do back in the day. I think that the Cavaliers, and I saw someone say this on Twitter, so this isn't an original thought, but I co-sign that the Cavaliers are a piece away. If you can get them a guard or a wing that can create their own shot and take some pressure off of Darius Garland, you might have to trade Colin Sexton. I know it sucks. I don't think Colin's that guy because someone has come off the bench. It's either Darius or Colin. Now, if one of them can come, can, can come off the bench, it's not like football. We can have, like, multiple point guards. You're going to have one starting quarterback. You know what I mean? So we could have, like, you know, maybe Colin Sexton come off the bench or maybe Darius Garland and take that. But Darius Garland has been an all-star, and he's been their best player all year with this rash of injuries. So they got to do something in the offseason because they're right there. They're right there. Injuries ruin their season. The Cavaliers should not have been in the play-in. The Bulls should have been. Because injuries ruined the Bulls' year, but they weren't able to really put, put it together against the great, the great teams. It should have really been Bulls-Nets. That's what it really should have been. It should have been Nets 7C, Bulls 8C. The Cavaliers suffered from way more injuries, and that injury to Jared Allen is what did them in because that was their interior defense. So it was a pretty good game. Went by really quickly, unlike that Minnesota Clippers game. I expect for the Nets and the Celtics to have a good series because I think that KD and Kyrie are going to put on a show versus Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But come on, let's be real. And I'm going to wait to give my official predictions when the playing is over, but they're not going to beat the Celtics. Y'all know that, right? I hope the media realizes that. They're not going to beat the Celtics. Like, can we please just stop the talk? Oh, we should be scared. I'm shivering. No, dog. It, it, it's not like that. And y'all got to stop that talking point. We're going to watch the playoffs. We're going to watch it. We're ready. But it, it ain't like that, bro. All right, so now let's talk about this Timberwolves versus Clippers game, the game of the night. Listen, um, the Nets versus the Cavaliers was fun because of the storyline and the fact that the Cavaliers decided not to give up because the media, they were saying, listen, what's going to happen when the Celtics play the Nets? They didn't even give the Cavaliers a chance, but they fought back. They showed that there's some weaknesses in the Nets that the Celtics are going to exploit and that this isn't the super scary um, team that should have been the number one and number two seed that y'all think. It ain't just injuries that messed up the Nets. But the Timberwolves versus the Clippers was personal. And it was personal because of Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly gave his heart and soul to the city of Los Angeles for the Clippers. He was the enigma. 
He was the culture shifter. He was the hustle player. He had beef with Chris Paul, with Kevin Durant, with LeBron James. He was the irritant, and he gave it all every time he stepped on the court. And the Clippers did not want to pay Patrick Beverly. They didn't want to pay him. They felt as if, man, listen, we're trying to move a different direction. We're trying to build a championship roster. We haven't been able to get over the hump. We made it to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in our franchise history. But we have we haven't been able to get over the hump. We want to get some players. We want to get some more forwards. We want to get some guys that can switch, that, that have length, that can fit the scheme that we want to go for, and also that the league is shifting towards. It's shifting more towards a switchable defense. You get players that can play at very least three to four positions, if not all five positions in small ball lineups. And Patrick Beverly at points can be an offensive liability if his three-point shot isn't falling. So they didn't pay him. They traded him to the Grizzlies, who then traded him to the Timberwolves. And it was personal for Pat Bev. Like, if you were watching the television broadcast, I think TNT outlined this perfectly. You saw the emotion from Pat Bev. You saw how when the buzzer went to zero and the buzzer went off, that he ran on the court. He went to the scorer's table. like He was Kobe in the 2009 NBA Finals. He threw the ball up. That ball was up in the air for a minute. I'm like, dang, is it going to come down? Like, Pat Bev was strong. But, like, he, he was cheering. He hugged. And it was almost like they won the championship. And, of course, the TNT crew, Charles, Kenny, Ernie, and Shaq, they were just laughing, like, did y'all win the championship? But I think it was that important for Pat Bev because the Clippers sort of gave up on him. They gave up on him. He was the culture changer. He was someone that gave his all, and he was the heart and soul of that Clippers team. And Lou Will, Montrez Harold, and Pat Bev, the three players that played against the Warriors in the 2018-2019 playoffs, are gone. And it's a whole totally different Clippers team now that you brought in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I'm not mad that you brought in Kawhi and Paul George. They just been injured and Kawhi's been injured and they haven't been able to get over the hump as we thought they would. But I think that this win for the Timberwolves over the Clippers, Carl Anthony Towns had a terrible game. Cat had a horrible game. Carl Anthony Towns fouled out before the game ended. He had like four fouls in the first half. He was totally undisciplined. He was three for 11. He didn't make any three pointers. Mind you, he's supposed to be the best Big man shooter in history, better than Dirk. He's basically a small forward in a 6'11 package, and he plays like a big man, and he didn't make any three-pointers, only shot up two. Fouled out before the fourth quarter when his team needed him. His team was trailing by like seven points, and they needed him, and he kept making just stupid fouls. Only had five rebounds. You're the franchise player. You're the leader of the team. And you played undisciplined basketball. You would think that the Clippers would be playing the Grizzlies 2-7 and the Timberwolves are getting ready to play whoever wins Spurs and Pelicans. Nope. You want to know why? Because the Timberwolves have a team. Now, see, when I did my predictions for the play-in on Monday, I said that the Clippers were going to win. And I believe that they were going to win because Ty Lue was going to figure out a way to stop either Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards. Ty Lue did not have a scheme or any adjustments to stop Anthony Edwards, but he had Carl Anthony Towns in a straight jacket, and it honestly worked. And I think that maybe if Cat continued to play, I think that maybe him being blitzed and trapped and him not knowing how to solve the defensive equation 
that the Clippers were giving him, I believe that that probably would have costed the cost of the, the, the Timberwolves the game. So I think that Cat actually helped his team out by getting fouled out because he just was a liability. He wasn't getting rebounds. He wasn't playing all that great defense. And then he was a liability because of all those fouls. They kept putting him into action. And Cat couldn't do anything because if you overcommit too much, you bump into somebody that's a foul and you're sitting down. And you already got fouled out. So it's like, dude, you're important to your team. But Anthony Edwards had Anthony Edwards had 30 points. He went federal. Anthony Edwards made five three-pointers. And he came out the gate shooting and scoring, and he asserted himself from the jump. And he was thriving off the energy of that crowd. It felt like a playoff game. With the Nets, it, it was a consequential game. The Cavaliers got back into it. But just to be honest, the Nets just don't have a real home atmosphere. It has to be a great game for the Nets fans to really get going. But the Timberwolves wanted to see their team in the playoffs. They haven't sniffed the playoffs since 2018 when they lost 4-1 to the Rockets. And they wanted it for that team. And the Timberwolves deserved it. They had a great season. Could have been better. They lost some games they should have won. And they had a COVID, you know, outbreak that that took out Cat and Anthony Edwards, and they lost some drop, they lost some games there, and dropped some games because of that COVID outbreak. But they had a great season considering. Coach Finch did his thing. Anthony Edwards is becoming a star right before our eyes. And D'Angelo Russell was D'Lo was was really getting to me, man, because he was a he was a dud in that in that first half. Now in the second quarter, he scored nine points, but he was a Done in the first half. In the second half, he finally rounded out to form and started playing like he really wanted to win this game. And he ended the game off with 29 points. And he helped out Anthony Edwards because Ant was doing his thing. Now, I didn't really understand the rotation for Anthony Edwards. He had 37 minutes out there, but I don't understand why Ant wasn't in when it mattered. But I guess maybe I'm used to Kevin Durant and Kyrie playing 40, 48 minutes every night um, that I expected Anthony Edwards to get a, a burn like that. But he came in, he produced, and you had D'Angelo Russell, he came in and produced, and they were able to offset what you lost in Cat just being bottled up by the defense. Like one thing Tyron Lewis is going to do, he's going to put together a defensive scheme that will take out your star player. If you have two great players, he's going to take out one of them. He's going to take one of them. And they have the players to do that because you have so many forwards. You have Norman Powell. You have a Robert Covington from Tennessee State University. Shout out to Robert Covington. Tennessee State in the house. Tennessee State in the house, baby. So you have Robert Covington. You have Nicholas Batum. You have Paul George that can play defense. You have Reddy Jackson. That that that's that's a long guy. You know he 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 can show length as a guard. And then on top of that, you have Terrence Mann that comes off the bench now because now that Paul George is back, he's coming back off the bench. And he's a good defender. He can give you buckets. So the Clippers are dangerous in that way. Like the Clippers are the antithesis of the modern day NBA team with a dearth of forwards that can switch, that are tall, they're long, they can get deflections, they can run like they can run the fast break. You got Marcus Morris, that's a tough guy, and they are going to play football with you. Because Carthony Towns was not ready for them to be physical. And I think that's the problem with your modern day big man. 
is that Shaq would have feasted on the Clippers. Like, dude, you're trying to trap me on the dig. Because mind you, they were at they started the game, they trapped him at the top of the key. Like, I was like, Cat, get in the post, brother. Get in the post. Like, why are you why are you moonlighting on the wing? Why are you on the side waiting for the ball to get you so you can drive in? Bro, you're not Kevin Durant. <laughs> and Anthony Davis does this too. You're not Kevin Durant. You're not LeBron. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You're not Anthony Edwards. You're Carl Anthony Towns. You're seven foot even. You got weight on you. Get in the post and pound him. Bro, pound, like get in the post and pound those smaller players. They have Nicholas Batum on you. They had a couple possessions where Reggie Jackson, within them switching so much, Reggie Jackson switched on Cat. And this man is in, is at the top of the key, trying to post him up. And then they bring a defender. He throws the ball away. And it just messes up the whole possession. Dude, you got to get in the paint. You got to punish them for putting those small defenders on you. That's barbecue chicken. That is where Shaq gets that from. You put a six foot seven forward on me? Dude, are you trying to bring another defender? Dude, before you bring that second defender, that's barbecue chicken. I'm ducking on him. I'm forcing you to, to double me on the catch. And then when you double me on the catch, guess what? I'm passing to Pat Bell for a three-pointer. I'm passing to D'Lo for a three-pointer. I'm passing to Anthony Edwards for a three-pointer. I'm passing to Malik Beasley for a three-pointer. That's what Shaq understood. That's what Tim Duncan understood. That's what a Hakeem Olajuwon understood. That's what your best big men understood. That's what Kevin Garnett understood. That's the problem with your modern-day big men. And I'm a young guy. I'm 25. I'm a young guy. I'm, I've grown up in this era, right? of these stretch fours and these fives that like to moonlight and shoot three-pointers and your Joel Embiid's that like to bring the ball up the court, your, 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 your Nikola Jokic's that are positionless to a point. So I get it, but that's the problem. The Clippers said, listen, you're not going to score on us. You're you going to have to have to work to get a basket. And Cat didn't adjust his game for real. And then when he started to get in the post, they collapsed on him and he wasn't making the right plays. Now, before he fouled out, he started to make the right passes. He started to, to, to get the ball rolling to and and to get getting it to some cutters. Because what he really could have done to stop that trap, he could have done two things to me. He could have dug more, like you know, when, he, when he, you get the ball, you, you get in the low block, you give him the passes to you. Now they were fronting him on some on those on those possessions. But they didn't front him every possession. So he got in the low post eventually. And then they immediately, before he before he even committed to the dig, they immediately brought a defender. That's where you got to start getting folks cutting. Ant got to cut. Pat Bev got to cut. D'Lo got to cut. Malik Beasley got to cut. Vanderbilt got to cut. And it was one play, I think, in the third quarter. This was before he fouled out. Cat was trying to trying to get it going. He he got a field goal. And then he got the ball in the low post. They immediately doubled. And then Vanderbilt was diving to the basket. He was behind Cat. Cat saw him, passed it to him, easy dunk, wide open. Against the Grizzlies, Taylor Jenkins was watching this game, taking notes. Jaron Jackson Jr. was watching this game, taking notes. Steven Adams was watching this game, taking notes. Now, of course, the Grizzlies and the Clippers are different because they play a bunch of forwards at, at at the center spot all the time because they they don't prioritize height they're prioritizing length and also switchability now with 
the Grizzlies, they can do that too. But you got two big players in Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams that you're going to be contending against. So it's going to be a different type of game. But Steven Adams is strong. He can get physical with you. Jaron Jackson can, is strong and can move his feet. He should be in consideration for defensive player of the year. He can get with you. So I need for a cat. A cat should be happy. And I saw, because, you know, we all were infatuated with, with, with Pat Bev and him being happy over him, you know, beating his old team and him crying. He just is so excited. They're making the playoffs. The ants excited because this is first playoffs. But I saw Cat was with Jordan Woods. <laughs> Shout out to Cat, man. We pulled him one. He was with Jordan Woods. Jordan Woods grabbed him up, gave him a kiss because the, the camera caught it, like, like a few seconds of it. Jordan Woods grabbed him up, gave him a kiss, leaned up, and basically was like, it's all right. It's all right. It's not all right. Cat <laughs> needs to know. And I think Cat on the sideline as the game w- was ending and the Timberwolves had the lead, he knew, man, I almost cost my team this win. I almost costed us a playoff berth. I almost costed Pat Bell the satisfaction of beating the team that he gave years to build a culture with the Clippers. And they gave up on him and didn't want to pay him the money he was worth. I almost cost us this game because I wasn't able to adjust. To the, to the defensive coverages, to the trapping, I wasn't able to adjust. And I was making stupid fouls. That last foul that got him fouled out in the fourth quarter, you can't blame the referees. Why are you going over, over that defender's back, man? Why are you doing that? Like, Cat has to be better. But you got Jordan Woods. You're kissing on Jordan Woods, man. Listen, you winning in life, brother. Like I said, another hand clap. You winning in life, brother. I, I get it. I get it. But maybe... You wake up tomorrow morning, you understand you didn't have a good game, and then you get to work. You say, you know what? We were fortunate to win. I appreciate that I have a team that's well-rounded. I don't have to just deadlift and go God mode every game. I have a team around me and Ant and D'Lo. Pat Bev was able to hold it down. Malik Beasley came in and played amazing. Like Malik Beasley had 12 points. Those 12 points were pivotal. He hit three three-pointers. Nasir Reed came in, gave you eight points, and then he was able to give you some good buckets. Like, dude, like they had a team. It was a team effort. Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt gave, gave you three points but ten rebounds. Meanwhile, Cat had five. Cat had one rebound for, like, the first half. So Jared Vanderbilt came in, and he was making it happen for you. Cat got to watch that game and be like, you know what? What do I need to do to be better? But I, I like the whole entire game, I wasn't worried about the Clippers. Ant had a great game. Pat Bev, that was an interesting storyline. But I was most worried about Carl Anthony Towns because my brother, you can't do that, man. You got to be better. But what I will say is this, though. The best defense play of the whole entire game was by the security. Because <laughs> I cannot end this podcast and not talk about the, the hilarity of that happened on the court. Tell me why it was a woman. And I'm, I'm going to reference uh, this report by Allie LaForce, who I did the sideline for this game. So it was around the end of the second quarter. The second quarter was, was almost about to end. It was a woman that ran out on the court. At first, Kevin Harlan thought it was um, like a person that was like, like, you know, a ball, a ball person. Like they were like, you know, or a floor person. They were, like Kevin Harlan thought it was a floor person. They were just like, you know, wiping up the floor and maybe they fainted. 
And that's what Kevin Harlan said. But I guess in the earpiece, they said, no, this is a fan that ran on the court. And they were like, oh, this is a protester that's protesting something. And they ran on the court. And then immediately they said that she tried to glue her hands onto the court in protest or something. Now, at that moment, we didn't know what she was protesting. But Ali LaForce tweeted at 11.19 p.m. Eastern, the woman who glued herself to the court at the Clippers-Timberwolves game wore a shirt that said, Glenn Taylor roast animals alive. She was referring to an egg farm that he has that, re- that had to recently kill chickens because of the bird flu outbreak that's been happening. And then Philip Lewis, who works for the Huffington Post, and he's on every every news item, he's on it. So shout out to Philip Lewis. Philip Lewis delivers me the news. He's my Walter Cronkite at this point. Like, Philip Lewis is always on it. If you don't follow Philip Lewis, you are missing out on HBCU news, on world affairs. If you want to know what's going on with Ukraine, he's going to let you know. And if you want to know what's going on at the Timberwolves game, man, that man woke up and said, listen, there was a woman that stormed the court in protest. He got the details. And and like he had the video. And then um, he broke down the fact of this, because this is what Alice LaForce didn't say. So Glenn Taylor is the billionaire owner of the Timberwolves and he owns Comfrey Farm Prime Pork. And that was what she was referring to when Alan LaForce gave us the context of what happened with the chickens. And what I will say is, I mean, I guess her protest worked because we're talking about it. I mean, I don't know if it was that effective. I don't know if gluing herself to the court. First and foremost, how strong is the glue? Okay, that's what I want to know. I want to know how strong is the glue? Because are you using like super glue? Is it crazy glue? Um, is it that <laughs> is it that glue that that woman had back last year? Like she used like this glue type substance for her, like her eyelashes, and it like it had her eyes open real crazy. Like what type of glue was it? Because there is no way you can conceivably like is it is it like you know I know back in the day when we were in school we used to have arts and craft projects. And, and they have like little art projects and the teacher used to have a hot glue gun and the hot glue gun was was wild you had to plug it in and it used to get real hot like did you have a hot glue gun do they have portable hot glue guns now were you gonna hot glue yourself to the court that's what i really want to know the hood wants to know brother the culture wants to know what was that woman thinking and what did what would gluing herself to the court at a Timberwolves playing game against the Clippers? What was that going to do for her cause? Listen, I'm gonna glue myself to the court until they bring back the chickens. What do you what, dude? What's that going to do? Listen, there's nothing wrong with protests. You have your First Amendment right. You have the right to to the free press, a right to assembly, and a right to peacefully protest. But at this point now, you're getting in the way of people's livelihoods and their jobs. You're a woman with a t-shirt on trying to glue yourself <laughs> to the hardwood floor of the Timberwolves. I mean, are you, hold, are you holding the court hostage? Are you saying, listen, this game will not continue until he does X, Y, Z. I think that maybe writing a letter, I think maybe y'all can post up outside his office. <laughs> something else maybe lobby him i don't know but that woman was crazy i have to say at first i was like well did her protest work because we're talking about it we're providing it context we're giving light to the issue so in a crazy way maybe this woman had a point but no she didn't it was stupid 
<laughs> it was stupid. But what a great way to start the playoffs. I don't care. They kept emphasizing, oh, these stats don't matter. It's not the playoffs. It's the play-in. I don't care. This is the playoffs. What a way to start the playoff season. And tomorrow, like I told you, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get even crazier. Hopefully no one runs onto the court and does nothing crazy. But I'm telling you, it's going to get wilder because now these teams are fighting for their playoff lives in general. Because if if you lose tomorrow, listen, it's over for you. Your season's over. You got Trey Young. You got LaMelo Ball. You got CJ McCollum. You got DeJounte Murray. They're playing for their playoff lives. So I think tomorrow's going to go crazy. But a great way to start it with the Timberwolves and the Clippers. Hand claps for them because y'all did y'all thing. Great basketball. I'm excited. Y'all made me proud. Y'all, y'all didn't give me Bill's Chiefs energy, right? Y'all didn't, y'all didn't, I mean, I guess this is sort of like divisional round. Y'all gave me semi-divisional round NFL energy, but I need that tomorrow as well. And as a Hawks fan, I need for the Hawks to beat the Hornets because they're going to easily beat the Cavaliers but we'll talk about that more later on all right I'm so excited to see what happens next I love the NBA shout out to everybody shout out to all the Timberwolves fans because y'all brought that energy and it was an amazing game but make sure to stay tuned we're going to be doing a post show on tomorrow we're going to be talking Hawks and Hornets and Pelicans and Spurs man it's going to be exciting it's going to be lit Welcome to playoff season. But nevertheless, this is Randall Barnes. Make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, and also on social media, TikTok, Pulse Radio 100, Instagram, Pulse Radio 100, Twitter, Pulse Radio 100, and YouTube, just Pulse Radio 100. But outside of that, I will see you on the other side. And someone find that lady. We, we need to interview her. Find that lady that tried to glue herself to the court. And I just need to know, what glue was it? I just need to know. Let, let, let me know by tomorrow so I can just know. I need to know just for my recollection because I'm I'm confused. But all right, y'all. You're listening to Pulse Radio.